through February 28th, get a choice of offers from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, like up to 24 months no payments and no interest, or up to $1,125 off a patio door. Get details at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. You know, sometimes after I finish a program, my wife will come up and she'll say, what? Well, you know, I didn't get a chance to listen to the program today. What, what was the show about? And I'll kind of like think, well, I, I got to think back and recreate, you know, the different topics and things. No problem with that today. And if you're sitting around this evening and you, you and your spouse happen to be fans and somebody didn't get to hear a portion of it and your spouse says, did you listen to the Wagner show today? What was it about? Six words, including a contraction. It's a circus out there, Mama. That's all you need to know. It's a circus out there, Mama. And I don't know, I'll try to be the ringmaster and break down some of the sideshows that are going on because it's just unbelievable. I, I start with what is going to be a breaking news story because it's being reported, Dan Bice in the Journal Sentinel and the City Hall reporter from urban Milwaukee. They're, they're both reporting that apparently this morning there was a City Hall news conference in which the embattled city attorney, his name is Tierman Spencer, and how he got elected, it's just its just one of these mind-boggling things. But apparently, he had a news conference where he announced that several members of the Milwaukee Common Council are under investigation by unspecified agencies for unspecified activities. So he herps up that, that okay, that, that apparently there's all these investigations going on by different agencies. I don't know if it's criminal. You don't know if it's civil. You don't know if it's federal. You don't know if it's state. But, but the city attorney is apparently erping up this fact that there are multiple investigations going on, maybe criminal, maybe civil, we, we don't know, don't know by whom, of, of members of the Common Council. Now, what makes this incredibly bizarre, and this is the recovering lawyer in me, is that the, the city attorney represents the city of Milwaukee, including city officials, including council members. So if there would be civil lawsuits filed, not necessarily criminal, but if there would be civil lawsuits filed or things like that, and, and these, these members of the common council were subject to lawsuits, we'll talk about one that just the jury returned a verdict later on, Spencer Tierman of the city attorney's office would, would be responsible for representing these these various aldermen. Well, what makes this bizarre from just an ethics point of view is I can't imagine an attorney going out and holding a press conference and saying, well, I've got a whole bunch of clients who, who are under investigation by all these different agencies. I, why you would do something like that is just beyond me, except what are the six words that define what's going on in the theme of today's show? It's a circus out there, Mama. Which brings us to one of, some people think he is the leading candidate to be the Democrat nominee for U.S. Senate this September, Mandela Barnes, who is the lieutenant governor. Now, I, one of the points I've been making repeatedly over the last couple months is the fact that because 
so many people have been kind of obsessed on focusing on U.S. Senator Ron Johnson and some of the, the fights that he has picked, in my opinion, unnecessarily in some sort of cases. There's been very, very little scrutiny of the people that are running for the Democratic nomination. And as the Wall Street Journal pointed out a couple of weeks ago, all the leading candidates are way, 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 way to the left of Joe Biden. I mean, we're, we're talking about the squad type of stuff. But that hasn't gotten any sort of scrutiny yet. And and because everybody's been focused on, gee, did you see what Ron Johnson said about this or that or the other? My point all along has been, you know, this election, once, once people start focusing on the issues and you see where some of these candidates are on issues, I think it's going to change the way some people think about stuff. So anyhow, here's the report. Journal Sentinel has it. Mandela Barnes, who many people think is the leading candidate to to win the Democrat nomination, he has apparently reaffirmed a position that he took about six years ago that he does not believe that cash bail should be used. He believes that judges should be barred from imposing cash bail He believes judges should be barred from using the nature, number, and gravity of charges as the sole reason to hold a defendant before trial. Nature, number, and gravity. So in other words, if you have somebody who has an extensive prior record of car theft, for example, who's out on bail for car theft, and who's now been caught stealing more cars, well, you couldn't consider the nature, number, and gravity of the charges. Instead, judges would be required to release defendants unless there was clear and convincing evidence that they were a flight risk or they were a danger to an individual or to a witness. All right, this would be an extremely radical move, and certainly I I don't think it is in lockstep with where the majority of people are. Now, I sent out a tweet. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at JeffWagner620. I I sent out a tweet earlier this morning with this story, and, and I guess my overall comment was it's stunning how far out there many of the Democrats running for U.S. Senate in Wisconsin really are. I mean, who in their right mind thinks that eliminating cash bail is a good idea? Oh, yeah, it's the same guy who has supported defunding the police and abolishing ICE, which would also be Mandela Barnes. Now, I understand he's trying to walk back some of the defund the police talk. He's trying to walk back some of the abolish ICE stuff because he realizes that's way, 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 way out of the mainstream. But apparently he's not going to walk back eliminating cash bail. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, this is one of these rare situations where, at least in my opinion, proposals like this are awful politics. But but they're, they're even worse policy. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, the idea of eliminating cash bail and essentially eliminating, considering the nature of the offense, the number of offenses, the gravity of offenses, your criminal history, and rather everybody should be released pretrial unless you can prove by clear and convincing evidence, which is a high standard, that they're going to run or that they pose a danger to an individual. 855-616-1620. Don't think this is very mainstream, but that's just me. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is Ridgetop Exteriors. With over 20 years in business, contact Ridgetop Exteriors today to build, improve, or repair your home. Get the Ridgetop Advantage and call 414-244-9416 or visit them at ridgetopexteriorsmke.com. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, so Mandela Barnes, who many people think is the leading candidate to be the Democrat nominee, he's out today um, defending a position that he took six years ago that he does not believe that cash bail should ever be used. He said, look, I don't think judges in setting bail should consider the nature, the number, and the gravity of the charges. I mean, so if, if you've got somebody charged with Oh, let's say shooting a George Webb clerk in the face. You shouldn't consider the nature of the charge in setting pretrial release. You shouldn't consider the gravity of the charge. If you have somebody with a criminal record that is long as long as my arm and my leg, we shouldn't consider the, the prior record in deciding that. And somebody sent me a text and said, well, I, I don't understand. What, what is the purpose of cash bail? All it does is it incarcerates poor people. No, what you do, what cash bail does, and it's one of the factors. Now, look, I, I have no problem at all. I'm a product of the federal system where you, you look and you say, all right, is there, you know, is somebody really, you know, should we be releasing this person at all? You know, do they pose a danger to the community? Are they such a flight risk that it doesn't matter what the bail is? But bail does, cash bail does provide a factor in deciding release. For example, let's say you've got somebody charged with murder, right? And you set the, the bail at $50,000 or $100,000. That means somebody, if the person themselves doesn't have the money, that means other people, maybe mom and dad are going to have to mortgage their, their the family home and get the money and put that up as bail. Well, why is that relevant? Well, it's relevant because then maybe mom and dad, because they stand to lose the, the family house, they stand to lose $100,000. Maybe that means mom and dad are going to be acting kind of as custodians and, and watching out when, I don't know, somebody goes back into that George Webb with a gun or something like that. 855 which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's say, um, Jeff, some people have dodos for brains. Unfortunately, they're allowed to run for their office. Okay, well, look. This is just one of these, like, staggeringly bad things. Jeff, if you wanted to do exactly the wrong thing with bail, talk to Mandela Barnes on this particular proposal. Yeah, Jeff, I think Barnes is appealing to his perceived core constituency who do not believe that cash bail is appropriate. They view it as being discriminatory, etc. The recent spike in violent crime clearly is not of a concern to at least some of the people that Barnes hopes he's going to vote for. Well, I mean, clearly this, this is, this is, I don't know. I would say it's political pandering, but I don't think so. I think this is legitimately the worldview that a guy like Mandela Barnes has, which is we we want to keep putting people out on, on the streets. And it doesn't matter how many crimes they committed. It doesn't matter how significant those crimes are. Let's just put them out on the street to create whatever their carnage is. Now, look, I appreciate that what comes with this whole responsibility of increasing bail or going to no bail or whatever is the whole notion that you've got to get people <coughs> through the system quicker. 
I think that's fair. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. So glad to have you with us. Again, I I just think this is one of these things that, that really has gone unnoticed, at least so far, with all the attention that's being paid on on Ron Johnson and some of the positions that he has has taken. And I I know that there's some people who think, well, there's no way Ron Johnson's going to get reelected. Well, all I'm telling you is once you look at where a number of the leading candidates are on issues, issues that I think impact the lives of Wisconsinites on a daily basis, don't don't be surprised if once we start scrutinizing where some of these candidates are, people in Wisconsin start to recognize, <clears throat> wow, this is this is really pretty far out there. Because like I say, the leading Democratic candidates for Senate are way, way, way to the left of Joe Biden. I mean, we're, we're talking about stuff that I'm not sure even some members of the squad would go along with some of the things. Now, I don't know who ultimately is going to be the Democrat nominee. I don't think anybody really does, and we won't know until after the primary in September. But I think especially for some of these candidates who are way out there on the left, well, you kind of want to pay attention, and don't be surprised if next November maybe – maybe the results aren't exactly what people thought of. Now, I, I sent out a couple other tweets over the weekend, including for people who think I might have been just too hard on Mandela Barnes, which I, I wasn't. Um, I, I still continue to be just absolutely amazed at the circular firing squad that the state Republicans have. There was a huge front-page story over the weekend in the New York Times. Well, the headline is, Fringe scheme to reverse 2020 election splits Wisconsin GOP. And and it focuses on this really small handful of of people led by the guy who's the fringe candidate who's running for, for governor who have come up with this tinfoil hat idea that we can get the Wisconsin legislature to somehow decertify the results of the November 2020 election and somehow take back the 10 electoral votes for Wisconsin that went to Joe Biden. And then I guess the plan is if you can get people in Michigan or Arizona or Nevada or wherever to do it, and ultimately what can happen is we can have the U.S. Marshals frog march into the uh, frog march into the uh, Oval Office and, and remove Joe Biden. I, you, you can't say crazy enough and as the theme of our program today it's a circus out there mama this this is just a complete and a total distraction you read this new york times piece and it makes you think that every republican in wisconsin is nuts and in truth it's just kind of this fringe element that's out there but whenever i see stories like this or i see stories about how wisconsin republicans this is uh, dan gableman trying to um, seek to seeking to michael gableman you know talking about how as part of his probe if people don't cooperate he wants to throw mayors in jail and stuff like this it just it, it makes my head explode because there are so many different issues that, that are out there that that people care about that we should be talking about the the effect of inflation the effect of crime the impact of some bad decisions i think that were made during the pandemic the the 
huge breakdown in uh, the unemployment insurance system that resulted in so many people not getting their claims processed. There's all these really, really valid voting issues that I think would motivate people to go out and and actually vote. And and yet you, you have this time that's spent on all this stuff that's it's a sideshow of a sideshow of a sideshow we're not going to throw mayors of the state in around the state in jail because they, they didn't answer michael gableman's questions it's not going to happen so why do we spend time articulating this i mean that that's it why is any amount of energy done i i've said this before and then now there's the well we, we've got to get rid of robin voss because he hasn't gone down this this election rabbit hole fast enough all this con- <clears throat> conversation does is play into the hands of the people that want to see Tony Evers reelected. So it's again, it's another one of these situations where you, you just need you need people to to grow up. And I, I sent out a text over the weekend, and the, the thing was this nutty scheme to decertify the 2020 election results and dump Robin Voss because again he hasn't gone far enough down the stop the steal rabbit hole is the subject again of a story in the New York Times. So the eyes of the nation are watching this craziness. And I told this story before in 1960. When Richard Nixon was poised to get the Republican nomination, he went on to lose to Jack Kennedy. There was a split in the Republican Party. There was the moderate wing, which was Nixon. There was the liberal wing, which was Rockefeller. There was conservative wing by Barry Gold, led by Goldwater. Goldwater gives a speech where, for people who were considering breaking away, he said, grow up conservatives. That's what he meant, grow up conservatives. My message is to some of the tinfoil hat-wearing Republicans who are obsessed with this. This is the idea. Let's toss Joe Biden out of office and decertify the election. My message is grow up and concentrate on the things that are important. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All this week, WTMJ is celebrating all things Gene Miller. With the Wisconsin's Morning News host retiring this Friday, tune in all week to hear from special guests as we honor and remember his 44 years in broadcasting. Do you have a favorite memory of Gene that you'd like to share? Well, call us at 414-203-8105. Leave us a message and you could hear your comments on the air. It's Gene Week right here on 620 WTMJ. All right, it's a circus out there, Mama. I, I, I saw this story over the weekend. And, and I have to admit, first of all, I thought maybe this was a satirical headline in something called The Onion, you know, one of the, the, the magazine. But it's, it's, it's not. <clears throat> this is being reported in the local newspaper. The Republican National Convention is, cons- the Republican National Committee is considering bringing the nominating convention to Milwaukee in 2024. Now, just like we were supposed to have the Democratic National Convention in in 2020, and because of COVID, it ended up getting canceled. Well, now Milwaukee is on the table for the Republican National Convention. Uh, Milwaukee is one of three finalists, Salt Lake City, Nashville, and um, Milwaukee. And and actually, I think, you know, some of the suggestions are that Milwaukee is the front runner. I, I, I don't know about that. But there are certain advantages that Milwaukee has, namely, um, Wisconsin will be in play in the 2024 presidential election. Typically, what happens is you'll have these national committees. They like to have the convention in a state that, that may be in play because it, it rallies support for that state. 
Utah is going to be a solidly Republican state in 2024, and if history is any indicator, Tennessee has been an historically Republican state. So, you know, Wisconsin is kind of that that purple sort of state, so you've got that. I I can't see anything really that that I, I don't know why you'd go to Salt Lake City I guess so to me the, the real question is is it going to be Milwaukee or is it going to be Nashville um, in connection with the bid that Milwaukee has I know that there are what happens is you, you have to pledge the host committee has to pledge that we will they will raise just a, a lot of money um, I mean tens of millions of dollars but I, I know some of the people that are on the, the host committee and I know some of the commitments that have been made and I, that's not going to be a problem so they're going to be able if it is Milwaukee they're going to be able to I think satisfy the, the financial requirements the estimate that the convention folks have is that if if the Republican National Convention were to come to Milwaukee the city of in 2024 it would probably bring in the neighborhood of 45,000 visitors so let, let's think about that for a minute 45,000 visitors who all need places to eat they need hotel rooms to stay at they need cars to rent you know they they have time on their hands so there's attractions that they're going to go out to see all all that stuff 45,000 people is a big deal plus you've got the national media which would come there and and you'll get all the attention now I mean obviously what's going to happen is that the business of the convention is nominating the candidate but there's also going to be all the national media out there that's going to be taking advantage and looking at all the other stuff that's going to be going on in Milwaukee in the summer of 2024 and that's the kind of publicity that you you just you, you can't even put a value on the estimate that the convention bureau comes out and gives is that they believe the convention would be worth 200 million dollars to the city of Milwaukee and the surrounding region. But but $200 million is that number. Now, I want to be fair because sometimes that number gets inflated. So sometimes it's, you know, it's they say $200 million and it's really not that much. But, okay, let, let's say... Let's say 200 million is too much. Let, let's say it's 150 million. Let's say it's 100 million. All right? It, whatever that number is, you know it's going to be a big number. So you would think that you would have everybody lined up on board wanting the convention to come to Milwaukee. Well, if you would think that, you would be wrong. Because, well, the headline in the Journal Sentinel is, showing off Milwaukee was easy. Getting the Common Council to sign off on the 2024 RNC could be tricky. And I guess my initial reaction was, no. The Milwaukee Common Council, as dysfunctional, as crazy, as much of a clown car act as it is, they couldn't turn up their nose at the Republican National Convention. Could they? Well, and the answer apparently is is yes. They go out and they, they find they, the Journal Sentinel goes and interviews Alderman Robert Bauman. I mean, wrong way, Bauman. Normally, if you want to find out where you are on an issue, you find out where Bauman is. You go the other way. This is the same Robert Bauman who apparently 
critical comments he made in a de- led to a defamation suit that the city lost last week and that he lost that apparently at least the headline is if it's not reversed on appeal or reduced the city will be liable for 1.4 million dollars as a result of comments that Bauman made so here's what Bauman says about the convention he says anybody pushing the bid haven't actually counted heads on the council. They have no idea what the vote would be. My suspicion is that there could be pushback for agreeing to host this particular convention. Bellman whose downtown district encompasses most of the proposed convention facilities, laid down two markers. He said, first of all, there has to be an extremely robust equity and inclusion plan. And he also said that Republicans in the legislature have been hostile to Milwaukee and there would have to be movement on issues affecting the city. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The Common Council couldn't seriously put up roadblocks to bringing the Republican National Convention to this city, to Milwaukee, but also to the region, because it's not just the city of Milwaukee. They couldn't really do that. Could they? 855-616-1620. And if they did, would this be one of the most gross examples of just, I don't know, political misfeasance, malfeasance, and incompetence ever displayed by a common council. 855-616-1620. All right, should we play hardball with the Republican National Committee? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Jeff, a radio host on another radio station this morning, said that inviting the RNC here would be just like inviting the KKK here and urged her listeners to contact the Common Council and say, definitely not. You should listen sometime. No, no, life is too short to listen to stuff like that. Jeff, I think the Milwaukee Common Council is crazy if they don't sign off to have this convention. Um, Even former Mayor Barrett said he would welcome that because of the economic impact it would have to the city of Milwaukee. Yeah, you bring 45,000 people and and 200 million, even if it's only 150 million, wouldn't that be a shot in the arm? I mean, seriously. All right, Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. What do you think? Wouldn't this, wouldn't any city love to have a convention they, like the RNC? Absolutely. And as I recall, plenty of Republican legislators were pushing for the, you know, they wanted the Democratic convention there because they knew the benefit that would bring to the city and the state. Yeah, I, right, be, because right, because this is, it's not left or right, it's not red or blue, this is all about green, <laughs> you know, that's it, that, that's it. and yeah. 45,000 people coming here to spend money and stay at hotels, you know, that's, that's, you know, um, that's heads on in beds, you know, that's, that, that's great for the hotels, it's great for the restaurants, you name it, there's almost no downside that I can think of um, to this, and yet you've got members of the common council are saying well the legislature in madison is hostile to us so unless they we're going to try to hold them hostage well okay you might as well say you know mike here head for nashville that that's that's why some of these comments are just so stunningly irresponsible i can't even believe the comment that one of your texters said about one of the radio stations 
But um, you know, it's we you didn't you didn't get the Democratic National Convention, so you might as well fight really hard for the Republican National Convention, and it'd be a huge dereliction of duty for that council to vote it down. I, th- thanks for the call. Or to put up all sorts of you know barriers. Thanks for the call, Mike. I mean that that's that's the the whole bottom line of this. Um, Jeff, I would be concerned with what type of right-wing militia group the Republican National Convention would bring to our city. Okay, well, that that was the same thing with the, the Democratic National Convention. You know, what sort of what sort of crazies, you know, on the far left are, are going to, to show up? And I, I think the general thing was, well, okay, just because, I don't know, you, you might have protesters. Now, look, I, I understand in today's day and age, Today's day and age, when, when you stage a national political convention, you're, you're going to have people who are going to come and you're going to have protesters and you have to figure out ways to deal with that. You have to, there is an expense that goes along with it. That's one of the reasons why the federal government or the, the national parties, you know, kicks in, you know, money to help with crowd control and things like that. So there's legitimate questions that are going to be asked. But, you know, that whatever, whatever the funding mechanisms and the deals were, we already have the framework of that because it was, you know, what we struck in 2020 for the Democratic National Convention. Let's not misunderstand what's going on here. You have members of the Common Council, or at least Bob Bauman, expressing this concern, and, and it's it's not because it's not going to be good for business. It's because, well, we don't like those evil Republicans, so maybe we f- need to figure out a way to say no to them. All right, so let's... Let us create that world. All right, you say, all right, we're going to not agree to have the Republican convention here. We're going to put up all these roadblocks. So what what happens? You think the convention's not going to occur? No. All the delegates end up going to Nashville, Tennessee, which is, by the way, or Salt Lake City, Utah. Nashville, Tennessee is a wonderful, wonderful town. They spend their money there. And, you know, what ends up happening is, you know, Milwaukee ends up, you know, losing losing out so you know what what can you say it's it's one of these things where i guess maybe i understand that some people think this but the fact that they they ultimately end up saying these things well i don't know anybody thinking that the rnc is going to come here uh, they haven't counted heads on the common council now again you've got a very very dysfunctional city I, i i understand that you've got the city attorney who's apparently holding press conferences today talking about how members of the common council are under investigation by unspecified agencies for unspecified stuff i i get the fact that it's just completely and totally strange i i get the fact that you've got you know spiraling homicides i get the fact that you've got 25 cars stolen a day and nobody has ideas to do it you would think though that when it comes to trying to build economic development this would be the type of thing that everybody could get behind but unfortunately i guess in the city of milwaukee that's not necessarily the case because what do we know yeah it's those six words including a contraction it's a circus out there mama back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner And this is Jeff Wagner. If I were to respectfully offer some advice to members of the Milwaukee Common Council, it would be instead of putting up roadblocks or threatening to play hardball with the Republican National Convention and the potential that they have of bringing 45,000 people and $200 million into this community and this region, this area, two years from now, if I had any advice, I'd say, you know, I'd be 
less concerned with trying to put roadblocks up for that and, and maybe more concerned with some more immediate problems. Again, I, I was just looking at the crime statistics once again for people keeping track at home. This year, 32 homicides. Last year, same time, 16. We are at double. We are at double. And if, if you haven't been keeping score at home, last year, 2021, was an all-time record for homicides in the city of Milwaukee. And now, same time this year compared to last year, apples to apples, we're at double. The number of motor vehicles stolen. Last year, all-time record, 10,480, which translated into more than 25 cars a day. Um, this year, it's unbelievable, but we're, we're, we're over that number. Last year, same time this year, 1,216 cars have been stolen. This year, 1,284. So we're, we're breaking records not in a good way. And if you were listening to the radio news over the weekend or you picked up the newspaper um, and you were on the freeway, well, twice this weekend you, you ended up getting delayed because gunshots shot down Milwaukee area freeways twice over the weekend. A shooting late Saturday night prompted the freeway to close eastbound 94 at North 35th Street. Uh, male victim suffered a gunshot wound to the leg. Interstate closed at North 35th Street from 11 until 1230. Um, 1.30 p.m. Sunday, the sheriff's office closed westbound lanes of I-894 at Forest Home after a witness reported seeing someone fire shots from one car <laughs> towards another. It's... It's not clear, according to the stories I'm looking at, whether anyone was injured or not. But, but the bottom line of this is, for anybody who thinks that Milwaukee is becoming like the wild, wild west, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think you're wrong. Because I, I don't think, at least in many areas of the wild, wild west, it, it was ever this bad. I, I, the idea of, I don't know, maybe horses got stolen, but I don't know that you'd have, you know, in a community that you'd have 25 or more stolen on any given day. The, the number of homicides, not to mention shootings, but the number of homicides are just double, and it, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And just kind of doubling back to something that I've been trying to argue repeatedly, and I understand that it, it falls on deaf ears in some respects because people don't want to just address the underlying problems. But the truth is, if you want want to look at livability in in a community well it's it's crime it, and and that's what drives everything because businesses businesses aren't going to locate in areas where they're afraid that their businesses are going to be robbed and their employees are going to be shot and their customers are going to be crime victims if they come there they're just not going to spend that money in that area so whenever we talk about good paying jobs and things like that I'm all in favor of it but it's not a chicken and egg thing which came first you've got to get control of crime everything else flows from that and if I were on the Milwaukee Common Council, I would be less concerned with, gee, do we want to put up barriers stopping the RNC from coming and bringing 45,000 people here? I'd be less concerned with, with that kind of chasing that particular windmill than I would with thinking, gosh, maybe I'm a little bit concerned that, I don't know, you've got a guy who's working third shift at George Webb's and somebody's upset because the food hasn't come fast enough, so one of one of the sisters punches him in the face and the other then pulls out a gun and shoots him at point-blank range in the head. I'd be concerned about that stuff, but that's just me. Back with lots more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right. Everybody by now has probably seen the video of what happened at the end of yesterday's Wisconsin-Michigan basketball game. To, just to review briefly, Wisconsin playing Michigan. Michigan, a uh, team that did very, very well last year, um, and, and this year they've been underperforming. They're kind of like on the, on the NCAA bubble. I think they're 14 and 11. So they, they've had a disappointing year, so I think people are frustrated. At the end of the game, Wisconsin is ahead. They ended up winning by, what, 14 points. And with you know less than 20 seconds left, um, Wisconsin ends up taking a timeout. And this, at the same time, like Michigan, Michigan is still, they're playing hard. They're, they've got a full court press on and whatever. But, um, the, the Wisconsin coach takes a, a timeout, um, to allow the team to reset. Okay. So the game ends. Wisconsin wins by 14 points. The Michigan head coach, his name is Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard, um, had, was a former NBA player. Um, who then he was a coach, an assistant coach in Miami in the NBA, and he's been at Michigan for a year or two. He's he's kind of a hothead. I'll use that word. I might have used other words, but he, he's sort of a hothead. Last year he was ejected because he got into a, a confrontation um, with the head uh, basketball coach of I believe Maryland. So at, in the NCAA tur- at the Big Ten tournament, and, and he was he was ejected with about 11 minutes left in that game. So what happens is at the end of the basketball game yesterday that the teams like they line up and they go and they shake hands. Normally it's the coaches that that lead the line. Well, in this particular case, he he didn't lead the line. He was kind of at the back of the line. And then when he gets up and he runs into UW coach Greg Gard, he he starts yelling at him. You can see he he's pointing his finger in Gard's face. And you know Gard is the, who is much smaller than Juwan Howard. And you know Gard is kind of like putting up his hand and he, he puts his hand over the guy's hand. And, and there's a little bit of exchange and then Jawan Howard starts yelling more and then the two of them have to be separated well okay so they're pulling people away then the Michigan coach if you've seen this he hauls off and he throws a punch or at least a slap and he ends up hitting one of the Wisconsin assistants in, in the head you know like this and then you got some of the other Michigan players who start throwing punches and and it's just kind of off to the races um, Howard's defense is that he he didn't like the fact that they called that Wisconsin called the timeout at the end of the game and he then implies that this was something that Greg Gard started because you know Gard Gard touched him well okay they're they're in this handshake line and you know normally there is this touch okay our number 855-616-1620 that's the Acunet mortgage talk and text line All right there's some people that are out there trying to apologize for the behavior of the Michigan coach. I guess I look at this, and some decisions are easy and some are hard. To me, this is an easy one. The, The guy, whether Michigan does it or whether the Big Ten does it, he, he should be suspended for the balance of the season, maybe not the postseason, but you cannot, as a coach, throw a punch. 
You, you cannot throw a punch, even if it's a slap or whatever. You as a coach are supposed to be the one that has the impulse control uh, somewhat greater than a fruit fly, where you're, you're the one. Normally, it's the coaches that are running out. They're the ones trying to stop their players from coming off the bench, from getting into fights, etc. In this case, it was clearly the coach who was the instigator. And this argument that, well, you know, the, the Wisconsin coach, you know, he, he, he touched him and he shouldn't have touched him. Well, <laughs> if, if you watch this, they're in the handshake line. You know, they're, they're coming together. There's no question in my mind. And, and look, I'm, I'm a Marquette basketball fan. You know, I mean, I, I, I like to see Wisconsin do well because I know a lot of people that went to Wisconsin. But this, I really don't have a horse in this particular race. But I look at this and I see an out-of-control basketball coach who has to be suspended for, I, I think, the balance of the season. Some pe- Not necessarily the NCAA tournament or the Big Ten tournament, but certainly the four games that are remaining in, in the schedule. You cannot allow coaches to throw punches and really start this type of situation. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, it, it, what, what do you think? I mean, do you look the other way? Do you say, well, okay, Greg Gard violated this unwritten rule of basketball. I always love these unwritten rules where he, you know, he called a timeout at the end of the game when his team was way ahead. And, and Greg Gard, you know, when, when Jawan Howard was yelling at him, you know, he, he reached out his hand and he like put his hand on the other guy's elbow or something like that. I mean, everybody can see what happened. And to me, you had an out of control coach. This is not the first time he has been, in fact, out of control. And yeah, yeah, I think you got to suspend him for several games. Not fire him, but you got to suspend him. And you got to let him know that the next time you, you know, Woody Hayes or Bobby Knight on somebody, that's going to be it. 855-616-1620. I think you suspend him. What do you think you do? We discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, I'm reading about the fight after the Wisconsin-Michigan game. Watching the video, the Michigan coach was apparently simply trying to defend himself after Greg Gard went berserk and viciously attacked him without provocation, without warning. Dick and Shano says, I'm being tongue-in-cheek, of course. Jeff, he didn't want to be touched. Come on, he played professional ball. He should be canned. Jeff, the whole game of basketball involves touching. Suspend him. Jeff, I'm a huge Michigan fan and a fan of Juwan, one of the original Fab Five. He's a father and has been a role model for many young men, including his two sons. I am so disappointed in him. I feel a suspension is in order. Jeff, Gard did nothing wrong. Howard was mad because he's lost. He's known for his temper. Um, he was part of the Fab Five. I think you suspend him for two games. Jeff, the requisite amount of emotional intelligence required to manage a bunch of young adult athletes would result in de-escalation when, quote, touched during the argument. People have control who have control over their emotions know not to swing out in space because they were touched. Jeff, he needs to be fired. Now, I, I think that's... I think that's an overreaction. Jeff, the only hard decision for me is whether to suspend him or fire him. I believe firing him should be heavily considered. He also showed no remorse in the press conference after the game. Yeah, that's um, that's for sure. 855-616-1620. Jeff, if Howard thought guard was showing his team up, he should have used it as bulletin board material for the next game. Let's start with David in Illinois. David, good afternoon. Yes, thank you. Uh, I watched the the replays over and over again, trying to trying to come out with a good reason for that 
guy, Juwan, the coach, to to take a swing or or get bent out of yeah. shape. And there was no reason for it. You know, the guard, the other, the Wisconsin coach, he made a clever call in the last ten or fifteen seconds. You know, guard said, or I mean, Juwan said he was mad that you know the guy was taking a timeout. Uh, you know, I don't know, right. adding another ten seconds. That's that's the whole cleverness of a coach of a of a of a team. That's what they they do. And and to get to say that he's upset about that was pretty childish. And and you can see Guard was trying to have a conversation with him as they were um, going yeah. through the line. You know, he he did kind of grabbed his elbow. You know, it's like look, I sh-, you know personally I shake hands with guys all the time. It's like look, you know, somebody's not paying attention or you want to get the point across. And and. Right. You know the fact that they're talking about that this guy's six nine and guards uh, five whatever. It's like that doesn't matter. It's just like look, you know, you your your coaches, your gentlemen going through this. You you maybe tell each other to to go to hell right, to do whatever. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> yeah. hey, you know, you you get over it. You know what I mean? You get over it. Your coaches, you're setting the example for these young you men throw punches. that are yep. out there. No. Yeah, no, thanks. Then, no, thanks for the call. Mike, no, you're right. No, you're exactly right. You cannot throw a punch. And then, of course, then you see a couple of the other Michigan players respond, and they start throwing punches, and it's off. It's the whole thing is off to the races. And look, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't play college basketball, so I don't have a position on unwritten rules or whatever. I mean, some people say, well, you shouldn't have called the timeout. Well. Okay, the the game is out of reach, but at the same time, look, the the Michigan team—they've got some of their starters on, and they're still they're doing a full court press in front of you know against the Wisconsin scrubs. No offense to the second team. So I mean, Michigan's still trying to win, so they apparently don't think the game is over. So, but but regardless, you know, calling a, a timeout at this particular time is not something that. I think in any circumstances justifies, even if you're hot about that, it doesn't justify, you know, getting so out of control that you throw punches. You just, you cannot do that. And I, clearly, Juwan Howard has some manage, anger management issues. I mean, you saw that play out last year. So it's not like this is the first time. Admittedly, it's the first time that you threw a punch, but you're, you're supposed to be the role model. Now, back in the day, you know, you threw punches and hit people. That got you fired. I mean, Woody Hayes got fired with a former coach at a football coach at Ohio State in another era, you know, got fired for throwing punches. You know, I mean, Bobby Knight, who would, you know, was, you know, would resort to force on some of his kids and stuff like like that, you know, he ended up getting fired because not just the actions, but the fact that you lost control. And I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that you cannot look at what happened yesterday and see a coach who, who lost control. That's why I guess I think firing to me is always the nuclear option. And, and I guess I don't think that what happened yesterday rises to the level of you, you've got to you've got to fire him. But it was clearly a coach who has anger management issues, who has impulse control issues, and, and needs, needs to be reined in before something like this happens again and the consequences are, are a lot worse. Because my guess is, as he goes, continues to go through his coaching career, there will be occasions where his team loses on a contested shot at the end of the game where he believes that a foul should have been called or, or whatever. And, and so the question becomes, if, if he gets out of this with no consequence, you know, what, what happens? Can you go after the officials the next time or whatever? I'm just saying, 
you just look at this and the response, the throwing the punch and stuff, at least in my opinion, was so far out of proportion to what ended up, you know, happening that you, you can't let it go unpunished. Bob in New Berlin. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Oh, hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I, sure. I, I agree with you. Um, I You know, I'm not necessarily a Wisconsin fan like you, but I, I follow Marquette. But, so, you know, you can look at this with a little bit of independent eyes. Um, Juwan Howard, if you look for a reason why this happened, uh, Juwan Howard, if you recall, is a member of, of the Michigan Fab Five. Remember the Fab Five from sure. uh, yeah. the early 90s, I believe. Yeah. So he was on that team with, like, Jalen Rose and Chris Webber and Jimmy King. And at that time, Jeff, uh, those guys, they had this attitude of being untouchable. You know, like, like nobody could question them. Like, they were, yeah. were going to be crowned the NCAA champs. And, and, and Juwan Howard never grew out of that attitude, I, I, I think. I think this is just who Juwan Howard is. And, and yeah. he well, needs that, to be... Yeah. Reined in. Well, thanks for the call, Bob. I mean, I guess I, I mean, yes, I, I remember the Chris Howard, the Chris Weber days and the Juwan Howard days. I mean, I, I remember the Fab Five and stuff at, at Michigan. I, I guess I don't, I don't, I haven't followed his, I didn't follow his NBA career and I haven't followed his coaching career that closely. And so, I, I mean, I don't know if it's part of a chronic problem or whether just, the pressures that you have as far as being a head basketball coach. And, and again, I think one of the things that's going on here is you got to understand that Michigan, after having a really, really good run last year, and I believe finishing number one in the Big Ten, they're, they're struggling this year. I mean, they're 14 and 11, and there's real question as to whether they're going to make the NCAA tournament. So I'm, I'm sure there's all sorts of pressure that goes on there. So, I mean, I, I don't know. People are sending me stuff saying, oh, the guy's a punk and he's always been. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know enough about it. All I know is that if if you're if you're a coach on whether you're you're a little league coach or whether you're coaching pop warner football or you know the the you know the local municipal league basketball with eighth graders or high school or college or pros you can't be the one that throws the punch <laughs> that you you're, you you got to be the guy that stops the other people from throwing the punch and when you do what happens is you you got to be held accountable. I wouldn't fire him, but I do think suspending him for four games would be the appropriate thing. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Interesting opinions on this. Jeff, I had my grandson at the game. I think the coach should be fired. That's how you teach young players that your actions have consequences. It was appalling to see. Well, I mean, I, I think, again, that there have to be consequences. I, I've been a big advocate of that. I guess I just think firing somebody is, is always the nuclear option. And under these circumstances, given what happened, I, I think a, a suspension gets the point across without overreacting. But you also put, in this case, Jawan Howard on notice that, look, man, you got some issues. And if this... If you go off again like this and you end up getting physical, whether it's with a referee or another coach or another assistant coach or whatever, um, that's that's what they're they're doing. Jeff, I agree with your words about coaches. You're supposed to be a leader by example. It's not a good look for Michigan 
or for the Big Ten. Jeff, timeouts are there to be taken. You don't give one up because you're winning near the end of the game. In football, teams will take one with three seconds left just to ice a kicker. Never saw a fight over this. I think a suspension is due. Jeff, my dad was a basketball coach. He said coaches are held to a higher standard. They are the models that the players look to for guidance. Yeah. Jeff, if an employee at most jobs punched someone, they would be fired. Should Juwan get an exception? Well, that's a, I mean, that's, that's a fair point. I mean, yes, if you walk into your workplace and you go up and you throw a punch and you hit one of your fellow co-workers, yeah, my guess is, you know, you're going to be walked out the back door holding your box of future endeavors. That, that's going to be my guess. Now, this is a little bit different th- than that because you, it first of all, it is sports. It's not an office type of setting. It's not a factory type of setting. And you, you could see the way that this, this started to escalate. So, I mean, yeah, I, I do understand in a typical setting, you throw a punch and in all likelihood, you're going to be fired. I guess I just think that there's sometimes there's different rules that apply in, in the sporting type of situation. But that's why I do think that you have to, you have to deal with this whole situation. Um, Jeff, there was a previous incident. I think he should be fired. Well, you know, that's that's the problem. It's not like it's a first-time offender. I mean, this is the first time he was involved in throwing punches, but this is the second time, second season in a row, that he's been involved in in a major altercation. So I I guess you have to figure out what's right and what's wrong here, but there's no question. This was an overreaction, and I guess just we're circling back to where we started this topic. It it bothers me that some people are, are blaming UW, and I just... Again, I, I don't have a horse in this particular race. I, I'm not a big UW basketball fan, but, I, I mean, I saw that tape. I, I don't think that there was anything I saw that would justify throwing a, a punch and grabbing and screaming. I don't think that anything UW did justified the reaction you saw, and under no circumstances do I think you can throw a punch. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, I don't know if if you know, but uh, yesterday was the end of the 2022 Olympic Winter Games, um, which are going to go down in history as the the Olympic Games, which were watched by a staggeringly small number of people. Just to give you an idea, television ratings for the Beijing Olympics are off by 50% from the levels of the last uh, Winter Olympic Games in in 2018. And those ratings were well below the level of Winter Olympics past. So you've got a staggering drop. And that, by the way, does include the fact that, you know, you have people that are are streaming. There's more ways that you can take advantage now of of seeing uh, Olympic Games. You, You don't just have, you know, NBC, for example, that's showing the games. You've got the, the, the... Games that are being played across a, a wide variety of the, the streaming spectrums that, for example, that, that NBC has, like USA Today and other things. And, of course, there, there's all the other services as well. So even though this is going to go down in history as the most 
quote-unquote streamed Olympic Games, the, the, the numbers are bad. Um, with the exception of a post-Super Bowl bump, Ratings for the game um, have been at historic lows. Just 16 million people tuned in for the opening ceremony, 43% below the 2018 games in, in similar time zones. So the, the issue right now, and, and NBC, at least short term, is going to lose its shirt on this, but they have a commitment to do Olympics moving forward. So I guess that the question becomes, is this a problem moving forward with the Olympics in general, or is this problem, and, and I don't think there's any way you can stick your head in the sand and say that there wasn't a problem here. Is it a problem that was unique to the 2022 Olympics? I mean, for example, there, there's all sorts of things. This is, I believe, the third consecutive Olympic Games that were in Asia. So you've got that huge time difference issue that's there. You have... Um, it's in China, and you've got the whole police state sort of stuff. Here, here you have this this police state and a, a country that sort of relishes extensive human rights abuses. Um, you, you've got the whole COVID environment that's going on there, so there weren't spectators or there weren't many spectators, and family was limited, and the, the number of people that could attend. So, I mean, it, it had a, a really, really weird vibe to it. You had the location and, of course, you've got the pandemic situation that was going on. So let's tee this up. Our, our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I'm somewhat of, at a loss th- discussing this, and I'll be honest with you, because I probably, all in, all done, watched, I mean, less than an hour of, of Olympics coverage. I, I, I just, I, I did. Um, there, there wasn't, part of it was that the, there didn't appear to be that many like breakout. Normally, there's there's a handful of like breakout U.S. stars, and I understand the U.S. had some gold medal winners, and I'm not I'm not saying anything to take away from their successes, but it wasn't like, hey, you know, we've got the miracle on ice team, or or hey, we've got this is Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding, and so people are going to be focusing all that. Then you had the the whole doping scandal involving the Russians and the decision that you know e- even though you have the 15 year old who tests positive for a banned substance, you know she gets allowed to participate. So I mean, th- there were a lot of things that just kind of turned me off in general, including uh, again the fact that this was in China, the fact that there weren't going to be spectators. It just the fact that NBC, for example, with the exception of Mike Tirico, I don't think they sent anybody. I mean, all all their announcers were back in Greenwich, Connecticut, you know, doing the announcing based on you know what they saw on, on TV screens and stuff. It just had a completely different vibe to it. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, four years from now. Is, is there going to be renewed excitement about the Winter Olympic Games, or are Olympic Games a thing of the past? 855-616-1620. We discuss. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yeah, and this includes worldwide. These are NBC Universal's ratings. The, the Olympic Games drew about half this year of what they did four years ago when the Winter Olympics were in in South Korea. So 
a couple days were a little bit better, but but in general, it was sort of a debacle. So I guess the question becomes, is this something that's unique to 2022? And, and we're coming out of a pandemic, so you, you didn't have crowds that were there. You have the Olympic Committee that for the third time in a row is located in Asia, so you've got the huge time differences that are there. And let's face it, it it's China. And, you know, here you have uh, probably one of the three or four most repressive police states in in the world. And I think, you know, it's tough for a lot of people to get too excited about China. You you couple that with the fact that I don't know that there were any significant breakout U.S. stars this year, not to diminish the success of the people, you know, who won medals and stuff. But it's not like you had some U.S skater or some U.S. skier um, who, who captivated the, the attention of the world. That's just not what happened this year. 855-616-1620. Jim in Illinois. Jim, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. One of the things that just made me turn it off was all they showed was Michaela Schiffer sitting on the ground, you know, the, the negative. They showed the doping scandal and, you know, everything that was just negative they never gave these people a break get the camera out of their face let them you know let them deal with it and it was always the same thing figure skating oh every night figure skating oh, okay let's do curling hey that's fun for three and a half hours you know they did <laughs> they did not do a very good job of that it was yeah. boring watching yeah, Jim, the guys Jim, thank- you know, okay curling is the most no, no, thing. i get it but three and a half hours of watching some guy on his knees throwing a rock I'm like, yeah. hey, that's fun yeah, thanks for the call, Jim. You know, I, I do, I, I just, going back to one of the things you just mentioned, though, I do think, I, I, I also, look, I understand its stories, but I will tell you, I, I think that the, I think these networks have to figure out how they cover the, these athletes when they feel. Remember the old wild world, wide world of sports thing where it was like the, the, the joy of victory, the agony of defeat? I, I, I that, that skater, the skier that you were talking about, I mean, the, okay, so she's, She's underperforming and she's kind of crashing and burning, figuratively speaking. And like the camera's just dwelling on her. It was like these uncomfortable sort of moments that, that kind of, you know, made you think back to, you know, some of the stuff when you see, like, for example, some of the gymnasts who kind of, you know, can't, can't handle the pressure or whatever or, or crash and burn again, figuratively speaking. And it was kind of like, oh, you know, these, at the end of the day, these are amateurs and things like that. It, it's, it's almost like this uncomfortable sort of thing. Gianni and Montello. Gianni, you're on WTMJ. Yes, good morning, Jeff. Uh, good afternoon. Um, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I've, I've been a big fan of the Winter Olympics for, for since a ch- childhood because I was I did a lot of winter sports. But I got to tell you, this year was really lackluster. And uh, two two issues. Um, I, I think just the fact that you didn't have the the, the stands filled with cheering people was uh, you know kind of put a damper on things. Yep. And number two, I don't understand why the Olympic Committee would allow a uh, a rush a 15 year old Russian to continue to compete when she's known to be using uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Oh, and and they had, they've had this problem in the past. They're not even there this year. I mean, it's like the, the, the Russian Olympic Committee as opposed to the, the, the country of Russia. So it seems it seems all uh, discombobulated. So I, I, yeah. next, you know, four years from now, I, 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 would, I think I'll be watching reruns of Seinfelders. 
<laughs> Thanks for the call, Gianni. Well, I, you know, I, I, don't, I mean, I, I do agree with you. I mean, I think that, as a matter of fact, I, I, I never thought I'd be sending out a tweet about women's figure skating, but I was. I mean, I, I, the, you know, the the 15-year-old Russian figure skater who ended up crashing and burning, uh, figuratively speaking as well, who ended up finishing fourth. That, that was probably the, the right result. She should have been disqualified. And, and the, the explanation, well, she, she got this, this performance-enhancing substance in her system because her grandfather takes this drug as heart medication and maybe... Uh, he drank water out of a glass, and then she used the same glass, so maybe some of his saliva was in it, so that's how it got in the system. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, give, you know, give me a break about this stuff. Well, I mean, here, if, if I'm the, the suits at NBC, though, looking at these numbers and figuring out, okay, we've got to go sell advertising coming up. You know, what is the future for this? I guess I, I think there, there are some things to be encouraged about because I – I tend to think maybe this is a one-off. I, you have the, the these are still the COVID Olympics, and let's face it, the, the no fans in the stands and people not being allowed to to travel and with their including even family members. I mean that was a huge impact. Going to to China, I, I think that turned off a lot of people. At least I hope it turned off a lot of people. Um, but you know, you you look at where the the Olympics are coming up next. Okay, so here's the deal: 2024, which is the Summer Olympics, um, they're going to be in Paris. And so you know, there's a I, that depending on the time of year, it's either a five or a six hour time difference. But it's not going to be the 12 or 13 hour time difference. Plus, you know, uh, presumably by then people will be allowed to go to Paris, and Paris is just a great city. If you if you ever have a chance to go to Paris. Uh, France in general and parents in particular, my, my advice is, is do it. You, you don't want to miss that. So the 2024 Olympics are going to be in Paris. I, I think that's going to attract a lot of attention. The next Winter Olympics are going to be in Italy. So, again, you're not going to have that, that brutal time difference. It's five or six hours or whatever it's going to be, I believe. Um, so uh, they're going to be in Milan and Cortina di Ampezzo. I don't know where that second one is. I, I have, in fact, been to Milan. And then 2028, the next Summer Olympic Games after Paris, they're going to be in Los Angeles. And then 2032, the Olympics, the Summer Olympics after that are going to be in Brisbane, Australia. So from the perspective of the Olympic Committee, the next three Summer Olympics, Paris, Los Angeles, Brisbane, I think places, who knows Who knows what the world's going to look like, you know, 10 years from now. But those are all places that I think people could say, oh, boy, you know, if you wanted to go see an Olympic Games, I'd love to go to Los Angeles. Or, you know, Brisbane, Australia, always wanted to go to Australia. That's a chance to do it. Or, or Paris, France. And, again, um, it, going to Italy for the Winter Olympics, a lot easier than trying to go to Beijing. So I, I don't think you – I think you write the Olympics off at your own expense. At the same time, I don't think there's any question that this was, you know, what happened if you staged an Olympic Games and, and nobody came, and at the end of the day, other than the competitors, very few people cared. And by the way, they still haven't even awarded some of the medals in the ice skating competitions. How can that possibly be? How screwed up could this get? Well, it got screwed about as screwed up as you can imagine. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, so glad to have you with us. I, I wish I could say that I, I thought cooler heads were going to prevail in Eastern Europe, but the, the news is is not good. Um, 
Vladimir Putin, he gave a, a speech, just a televised address that just within the last couple hours, I believe, and it, it wasn't, you were not hearing from somebody who appeared to want to de-escalate. What, what they said is they're going to, Russia will formally recognize separatists in, Ukra- in Ukraine. And, and that's not good news because there, there's two areas of Ukraine where there are, there are Moscow-based people who have been trying to separate from the country, kind of like, I, I don't know, like North Dakota and Montana um, want, want to go, they want to separate from the country and move to Canada, you know, be part of Canada or, or whatever. Um, so Putin announced today, just recently in a speech he gave, that Russia is going to recognize the independence of those two territories. This this ratchets up tensions because he says, I'm going to back these separatists. So we're going to say that these, that Montana and North Dakota, this would be like Canada saying, okay, Montana and North Dakota, we really think they're part of Canada. And so we're going to support the separatists in their effort to secede, if, if you understand. And it's, and in this case, it's not like Canada trying to support separatists, you know, in Montana and in North Dakota, it's against the United States. It's Russia saying, okay, we're going to support these separatists uh, against Ukraine. And Russia, of course, has all the military might. In this speech, apparently, he also he accused Ukraine of being a puppet of the United States, said its citizens were being brutalized by the government. Um, let's see. As for those who captured and are holding on to power in Kiev, we demand they immediately cease military action. If not, the complete responsibility for the possibility of continued bloodshed will be fully and wholly on the conscience of the regime ruling in the territory of Ukraine. That's, that's that false flag stuff. You know, oh, there, there was all this violence that was being engaged in and, and Russia was, was the victim of this. So that's why we had to come in and stomp it. Um, Putin made the case that Ukraine is by history and makeup an integral part of Russians. Russia, colleagues, comrades, close ones, relatives, those who are tied with us in family and blood ties. Um, after the fall of the Soviet Union, which Ukraine then became free, uh, Putin, it still bothers him. We gave these republics the right to leave the Union without any terms and conditions. This is just madness. Um, so apparently they, they say that uh, the Kremlin has now signed declarations of friendship and mutual help with these two sort of separatist areas of Ukraine. And I'm just telling you that that's not that's not good, because, again, the, the justification is going to be if Ukraine tries to not let these two regions split off, then presumably Russia will use that as an excuse to come in and, I don't know, declare war on Ukraine. So they're still hoping that cooler heads prevail, but there's no question that that Russia does not appear to want to back down in this area. And I, I don't know what the path of this is because, again, Ukraine is not part of NATO. And I think it's very, very clear that the the West, including the United States, isn't going to get into a shooting war over Ukraine. But at the same time, there, there, 
there will be complications. There, there's no question about it. They're not going to just let Vladimir Putin you know, take over this independent country again. So there are going to be complications, and there's going to probably be nasty mili- not non-military sanctions. But it, it's just a mess. But for everybody, including myself, who was hoping that, gosh, over the weekend, maybe cooler heads would prevail, and maybe Russia is going to stop its saber-rattling, that that is not the case. And if anything, they've escalated stuff today. So you hope you hope cooler heads prevail, but right now it's still um, this is this is I, I think the greatest threat. I said this last week, and I believe it again. I, I mean, c- certainly since the end of the Cold War, that this is the the greatest threat. I think to world peace that you've seen because you've got you know a, a presumed superpower who is acting in a very very belligerent fashion and daring other countries to try to stop them. All right, let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Here is my question. How angry are you going to be if they can't get their act together? Now, I could be asking that question about a lot of different stuff, but I'm talking about the fact that there is a real chance that opening day for the baseball season is going to be delayed. The way it stands right now, Brewers opening day is at the end of March, March 31st. And you might say, okay, well, that's still, I mean, my gosh, that's like six weeks away. What's the big deal? Well, well, here's, here's the big deal. Um, a number of months ago, what was the total? What uh, 49 days ago? The major league owners locked out the the players. They said, "Okay, we're we're going to put spring training on hold." A uh, 79 days locked out. 79 days they locked them out. And the concern that the owners have is because the the collective bargaining agreement has expired. The concern is they don't want to start the season and then get midway through the season and have the players go out on strike. So they, they've done a preemptive measure, a lockout, and they don't, they're not going to start things going until they've reached a deal. O- okay, that's fine. The spring, tra- spring training was supposed to start last week. And f- I, I have several friends who live in the Fort Myers area, and spring training is a big deal in Arizona, and it's a big deal in Florida, which is where the teams have it. And, in, for example, in Fort Myers, that's where the Boston Red Sox and the Minnesota Twins train. And so, I mean, I know people, they're retired, they, they, they've, got, they've got second and third jobs. <laughs> they, they work at the ballpark, and it's, it's a fun thing to do. You, you talk to a lot of the people in the business community, and it's a, it's a big influx of dollars because, just like you have Brewers fans that'll, that'll travel to you know Arizona to watch the Brewers play, you know people will come down to Fort Myers, Minnesota fans, Boston Red Sox fans, and they'll stay in hotels and they'll spend money at restaurants and things like that. And all that has been put on hold. Spring training games were supposed to start, I believe, next week. They've now been canceled through March fifth. And what Major League Baseball is saying is in, in order to in order to get the season to start on time, they, they pretty much have to reach a deal this week because they say that, well, we can maybe get by with like 30 days of spring training or, or thereabouts, but we, we, we got to get a deal done. Otherwise, the, the season is going to be delayed, canceled, you know, who, who knows exactly what. But the bottom line is, 
it's it's the fans, of course, and the people, the what I'm going to say, the quote unquote little people, the the people who work selling the, the programs and who you know work at the ticket offices and who work carrying the beer and making the hot dogs and all those type of things. They're the people that that end up you know really getting messed over if if baseball can't work it out. Now there's a lot of complex agreements things here, and it's it's kind of tough to to break it down. The players think that they got a raw deal in the last collective bargain agreement and they're trying to change things so that essentially younger players get more money up front that's kind of the idea the the concern that some of the players un- the players union has is that uh, major league baseball has created an incentive for teams to tank in, in other words lose a bunch of games to get high draft picks later on so in- instead of trying to get better and trying to win and, and maybe going out and spending money on a couple high priced free agents teams say well you know we're we're not going to win anyway so let's just let let's go with all these very very low priced players and if we lose 100 games this year you know who cares because it doesn't make any difference whether we lose 95 games or 110 games and the union's arguing that they think that that's bad for baseball. And by the way, the union has has a point. But th- there's all these different, you know, issues that are out there. And I guess they're they're complicated. But at the end of the day, baseball is incredibly successful. Even with all the problems they have with the the games lasting, you know, three and a half and four hours, baseball generates a ton of money. There is a giant pie that is out there. And so what you have is really, really rich baseball owners arguing with really, really high-paid players over how to divide this huge pile of money. <laughs> that, that, that's it. It's, sometimes you know you have these labor situations where there's just not enough money to go around. Now there's more than enough money to go around. There's a ton of money going around. There's a ton of money, but the owners and the players can't decide on how big a slice of that pie they should get or the other side should get or whatever. And it's looking again like if they can't get their act together, it's going to be the fans that end up getting shafted. That's already happening in the communities where you have spring training. Like I say, because spring training was was supposed to start last week. You were supposed to start having games, I believe, this week. Well, well, those are off. And, And who knows when those games might resume, and that's money that in the smaller spring training communities that, that you're never going to get back. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would like to take your temperature on this issue because sometimes I, I, I don't think the owners and the players kind of understand who it is that really pays the bills because at the end of the day, the people that pay the bills are you and me. That, that, that's just that, that's it because we're the people that buy the tickets we're the people that pay for the parking we're the people that buy the beer we're the people that buy the brats we're the people that watch the games on television so you know the advertisers can so that the the people that buy the rights to the games can show the commercials that we then patronize that's the same deal with radio I mean it, it's up and down the board, the bottom line is it's the general public that's the one that picks up the tab. So my question is, if if they can't get their act together in the next week or so, and if it really does look like games are going to be canceled and the season's going to not be 162 games anymore and, and maybe they won't start till May or June or whatever, 
How honked off are you going to be? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And maybe this hits home for me because I, I am a huge baseball fan. I, I, I look forward to opening day every year. The Brewers become kind of my, the soundtrack of my spring and my summer and my early fall. But this one is just so frustrating given all the money that's out there that you have people that can't get their act together and i have to tell you on a scale of about like zero to ten with zero being eh, you know who cares and ten being i'm just irate i'm never going to watch games again i'm not going to say that but i'm definitely at about a seven or an eight on this eight five five six one six one six twenty where are you we discuss in just a moment this is jeff wagner you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I understand that there, in these negotiations between Major League Baseball and the union, that there, there's complex economic issues depending on that deciding we've got this huge pot of money, and it is a huge pot of money. And so we're arguing about how, how do we divide this pot of money? You know, how, how much more should the union get than they got before the players get? But, but there's still, there's a huge pot of money. This is one of the amazing things. There is so much money to be made here, and, and yet you can't reach an agreement. And I guess that's the, that's the frustrating thing, and I think it's the thing that a lot of us average folks just do not understand that when there's all this money around, would you really seriously you know, risk a, a labor shot stoppage? And they haven't had a labor stoppage since 1994 when they had the strike that pretty much you know, caused, caused the sin. But, but even now what they're doing with this foolishness that you're not able to get something done and spring training being canceled, you know, you talk to the people in Arizona, the home of like the Brewers or the Cubs and stuff. You talk to, like I say, people I know up in Fort Myers and, and they're, they're going to tell you, wow, this is, it, it's really hurting the little guys. So how will this impact you? 855-616-1620. Jeff, they're blowing it. After the last two years of non-normalcy, Major League Baseball and the players could be heroes and bring back a normal summer to their fans. Instead, they're going to, you know, um, squabble over a 23-year-old being a multimillionaire instead of just a millionaire. Give me a break. I lived through the 94 season that ruined a great year in baseball. They blow it now. I'm done, and I'm done buying the $15 beers. Jeff, on the scale of 10, I'm about a 7 or 8 also. In 1994, I quit watching for about 10 years because I was so mad. I got back into it with my son. I have a 10-pack and plan on going to um, opening day. I think it's important for them to settle, especially after all the COVID problems we've had during the last two seasons. Yeah, you know, that's that's a really, really good point. And, and I, I hope it's not lost on the baseball teams and on the players, that the fans went through a lot. Remember, you, you had the, the, the games two years ago that were played in front of empty stadiums, and then, you know, when, when the game came back last year, well, it, first of all, it was limited stadiums, and then it was like a face mask rules. And through that all, the fans by and large, stayed with the teams. So I, I think at this point in time, on the heels of the last two years, to to not have opening day, to not have spring training, I just it's it's just it's a PR disaster that I think is going to translate into people saying a pox on all your houses, Jeff. As far as baseball is concerned, I'm about a seven or eight as well. It's time for these people to get their act together and get it done. 
Um, yeah, I think there's an element. Jeff, I've been a Brewer fan since I was seven. Don't know why they're so rich. Um, I'm sick of it. I'm really sick of this. And, and again, I, I'm not, I take no position on, on the whole question of, gee, it, w- when should the arbitration kick in or whatever. I just know that there's so darn much money there that you should be able to reach an agreement where everybody walks away and the value of the team continues to go up so the owners have a ton of money and the players make a ton of money. I mean, more money than most people are going to see in 10 or 20 years of their lifetime, maybe ever, for playing a game. Tom in Green Bay. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Good. What do you think? Um, you know, I know they had a stoppage in 90. You know, then they had the 94-95 season, you know, which was just horrendous. And then after that, this, this, the, steroid area, the, yeah. the steroid era began. And, you know, and people started watching it again after they lost all those fans. I think they're really skating on thin ice here. The COVID thing that uh, the one guy brought up, I mean, that's a great point. I, I didn't think of that point when I when I called. But I think they could, they're in serious danger of actually losing a lot of fans over this, I believe. You know, that's just my I, point. I, no, Tom, thanks for the call. I, I don't disagree with you. And... And again, because this is this is a frustration that I, I think average people, the people that, that are buying the ten packs, the people like me that buy the twenty packs of game, that this is something that is just difficult to explain to people. How? Wait a second. You know, you're you're generating hundreds of millions of dollars of of revenue and you can't reach an agreement as to okay whether this player should make $350,000 his second year or 450,000 it, but it's it's just it's this mind-boggling type of stuff and i, I do think that, that some of these issues are are fair one of the one of the problems i think with the game big picture is and, and we haven't seen this in milwaukee milwaukee has been competitive for years and years but you do have a lot of teams that go in there and they recognize that they're not going to win the world series so what they do is they tank to get higher draft picks and that that's kind of the strategy that's out there and so you, the, the argument the players have is okay this is artificially depressing the market because what what they're doing is they're they're playing a bunch of these young players they know they have no chance of winning so they're hurting us there, there, there has to be a way to to work this out and whether it's salary caps or salary minimums or or, or whatever you you've, this is one where you just want to go and slap everybody figuratively speaking and say you, you're about ready to kill the goose that is laying the golden egg here and don't you understand that it's the fans that are out there and, and again and I know I'm kind of on my high horse with this again because it, it, it's not just from a fan perspective well I miss baseball if it doesn't happen yeah I, I if it doesn't start on time yeah I, I I will miss it but you know what there's all sorts of other things that I can find to, to fill in my time and then baseball can, can try to win me back but again I feel bad for the the lit and I, I'm saying little people and I'm being funny with that in respect but but the people who who aren't the million dollar players and aren't the multi million dollar or billion dollar owners it, it's the people that gee I park the cars at American Family Field or or gee you know we we do the ads for the sports service you know we're we're the we're the folks that come in and you know our our youth group you know works at ten games a year and and we make all this revenue that we count on it, it's it's those are the people that that 
short-term and long-term, they've been messed around for the last couple of years through no fault of anybody's because of COVID, but now they're getting messed over because baseball and the players can't collectively get their act together. So I guess my message, and they say, they say they're going to meet every day this week to try to get a deal. Well, first of all, my question is, well, what the blank have you, where have you been the, the last 79 days? I mean, it's just, what, why, why haven't you been working in good faith to try to get this done? They say they're going to work every day to try to get a deal. Hopefully there's going to be some breakthroughs because I, I do think there's going to be you know what to pay if they cannot get this done. You just can't mess around the fans over and over and over again and expect the fans to say, thank you, sir. May I have another? All right. I now get off my high horse. But I I, I don't know. I mean, I I think opening day, March 31st, if you're asking me the odds, I think that it's going to happen. I'd say 50-50. I'd say 50-50 pick them. I, I don't know which way to go. I'm just, it's, but I've been saying this during this entire lockout. There's just so much money involved. It is amazing to me that they cannot reach an agreement. But I guess I've been amazed and disappointed before. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Hang around.